When the pressure is on, many oil and gas leaders are quick to learn from the experts in other industries. Today, we hear about better use of our geospatial data by way of national security strategies and the commercialization of space. An industry under pressure, innovation in its finest hour. This is the Oil and Gas Technology Podcast, where sharp minds reveal the brilliance and sheer determination turning great ideas into new realities. Hear about how it happens in real life with your host, Michael O'Sullivan. The views of the host are expressly his own and should not be construed as the views of Nutanix or any other corporation, consortium, governing body, or interplanetary federation. Everybody, welcome back to another rousing episode of Oil and Gas Tech Podcast. Today, we have a cool topic today. We're going to talk about some of the latest and greatest in geospatial tech, and maybe we're going to get to methane detection, which I know is a big topic in the industry. But first, I have to remind everybody to please go to that little thing where it says leave a review and leave a review. The reviews are the main way that we know whether you actually like what we're doing. And if you don't like it, then leave a review that says you don't like it, and but give us some good constructive feedback on what we should be doing differently. If you do like it, please leave a good review, and then other people will know that this is worth their time. Also, I want to give a, a quick thanks to our sponsor, Cognite, and I'll say a little bit more about them later, but we do appreciate them being here and sponsoring the show. One other little thing I want to throw out there for everybody before we get to the guests. And, you know, it was a couple episodes ago, I said something about how the history of technology in oil and gas is really, it goes way back and it's very interesting. And maybe we need to start, you know, when we get, we get criticized a lot for being behind the times and not adopting new technologies. And we have to remind people that we've been doing technology for a really long time. So here's a little quote I want to read from. This was said by somebody in the early day in an interview, kind of like this, in the early days of the oil field. And here's what they said. So this is this will give you a, this will give you a good feeling for technology in the early days. The, the, the person said that a good cable tool man is just about the most highly skilled worker that you'll find. Besides knowing what's going on thousands of feet under the ground, just from the movement of the cable, he's got to be something of a carpenter, a steam fitter, an electrician, and a damn good mechanic. That's captured in a book called Voices from the Oil Fields, which was compiled by couple of guys I don't know, Paul Lambert and Kenny Franks. But if you look on Amazon, you can find it. So that's what technology sounded like back in the early days. So from there, let's fast forward to today. And we have dramatically different capabilities on the show. Today, we have Rachel Olney, who is the CEO and founder of a company called Geosite. And we also have Jeff Williams, who is leading the, the energy practice for Geosite here in Houston. So Rachel and Jeff, thanks for being on the show. Welcome. Thanks, thanks for having, having us. us. <laughs> that was like perfect unison. <laughs> it was harmony. We're a good team. It's like we work together or something. So before we get into the cool stuff, actually, some of this stuff is like, Rachel, your background is kind of interesting. I mean, graduated from Stanford not that long ago. You actually still have some ongoing work there and you have some interesting degrees. I think I remember like mechanical engineering and product design, but maybe most interesting is your background in national security and defense and special operations. And I'm not sure what all. So 
why don't you give us just a little bit of quick background on in the midst of all of that really fascinating stuff, how'd you end up starting this little company called Geosite? Yeah. So I like to pretend like it was all, you know, planned from the start, but that's not usually how our careers go. So I actually got a bachelor's and a master's in mechanical engineering from Stanford. I really, really especially loved manufacturing. I spent a lot of time in factories, learned Mandarin, spent some time in China. And I have this deep love of efficiency, process, materials, you know, resource, any kind of efficiency is totally my jam. But while I was in school, I ended up doing some work for the military, looking at you know, what were the strategic national security issues that were caused by the commercialization of space? And so, you know, as I did that, I that was kind of, you know, years before I started Geosite or had the idea to start Geosite, but definitely planted the seed where I started to see the issues with the geospatial industry from the perspective of national security. Then I went on to do my PhD also at Stanford, but more organizational theory and looked at how do you bring new technology and field new technology inside of really large bureaucratic and hierarchical organizations. And specifically for that, I actually studied the U.S. military. So I studied cyber command and NSA teams and became very comfortable with what it looks like to take nascent technology and insert it into enormous organizations that have, you know, a low tolerance for risk, need a lot of precision, and are very careful and deliberate about incorporating new technologies. And so, you know, all of the things that I learned there in combination with what I knew about the geospatial industry, as I was wrapping my PhD, I just realized, you know, there's this this huge issue with people trying to incorporate geospatial data into large organizations. I had seen it very acutely on the military side with a special operations team in terms of how do we pull in all of this different spatial data into a common operating picture and make decisions. And so, you know, I knew from day one that was going to be our first use case, but obviously that there were also commercial applications. And so did a bunch of research, like nine months of research and decided that upstream oil and gas was a perfect analogous case for the products that I was building. You know, you have remote areas, you have austere environments where you don't have great connectivity, you don't have great infrastructure, but you're still trying to operate very efficiently. Good. Thank you. You know, I think that sums it up really well. And Jeff, all I can say is I'm glad, I'm personally happy that nobody is about to ask me the question that I'm about to ask you following everything that Rachel just said, which is, and what about you, Jeff? <laughs> what have you done with what have you done with your life? That's probably kind of my <laughs> past year, right? Then, uh, we have, you know, with Rachel, you know, with PhD, we have several PhDs. You know, my counterpart is a Top Gun pilot. I'm uh, just a lonely ex-consultant working in energy tech. Uh, so yeah, my background's a little bit different, but you know, I came into working at Geosite, you know, about 10 years ago, I decided to work in consulting because I cared about the energy space. You know, I'm a lifetime born and raised in Houstonian. My grandfather was on the first offshore rig for Chevron. So I always knew I wanted to get into energy tech. Yeah, it's really cool. My, you know, my dad was in this space, but I really wanted to get into the technology side. So I started working in big consulting, which is the tip of the spear. And my background really was how to use big data, isolated, isolated data to improve efficiency and exception-based monitoring. So I kind of worked all over the place as one consultant does from offshore to onshore and, you know, all over the place in the energy, energy industry. Got it. Got it. Well, you know, there's not too many of you running around here in Houston. I mean, I personally came here 
my parents came here when I was a teenager. So I've spent my whole adult life here. And I don't want to say when that was exactly because then Mark LaCour will find out that I'm not as much younger than him as I claim to be. But I relate to your predicament, Jeff, because I was at one time in a, I also came from a consulting background and I joined a company that had all these geniuses. And I used to refer to myself as the sheriff, which was, you know, there's that, I forget the name of that TV show, but it was about like all of these really smart, like physicists and mathematicians and stuff that were all together in this one town somewhere on the West coast. And they were trying to solve the problems of the world. And there was one guy who was the sheriff who sort of had like the common sense and the know how to get things done and keep everybody from killing themselves. And you guys, do you you know what TV show I'm talking about? Maybe you don't know. So I always just said I was the sheriff. So, you know, if you look that up. I don't know. Jack can hold his own. You know, he comes in and it's like, no, guys, here's how it actually works. We're like, oh, got it. That's exactly what the show. So the cleverness is we set the bar low and then we come in actually knowing something, you know, that nobody else knows. So, all right. Very good. So that was, that's the background. Jeff, you're here holding down the fort for oil and gas for geosite. So I think, you know, it makes me think about something that you probably know, which is that oil companies, you know, we start talking about geospatial data and mapping and, and cool ways of doing that. That is, that's really nothing new in this industry. In fact, it's an area that we've been, you know, probably had some leading technology in over the years. And there are some kind of usual suspects who dominate that market. What did you guys, you know, when you were out there thinking about all of these problems and challenges that Rachel elaborated on very eloquently, what made you look at oil and gas and say, I think we can go in there and do some good. And maybe what they're doing today isn't as good as it could be. Well, I'm going to hand it over to you here in a second, Jeff, but I want to say, so we were still experimenting with whether or not oil and gas was, you know, absolutely a perfect fit. And Jeff, what's that, that restaurant, the the one that you were, El Tiempo, he was like, I'm going to take Rachel to El Tiempo, this Californian, she's going to be so excited. I grew up in Southern New Mexico. So I was like, I was like, okay, Jeff, I've, I've seen Mexican food. It was, yeah, it's right. completely different though. New Mexico. No, no, it's completely I mean, the food is different. The atmosphere was very close to some of the restaurants, but it was, it was so funny, but, but we sat there and, you know, I laid out, here's exactly what we're doing on the military side. And Jeff was like, oh, here's what needs to happen in oil and gas. And it, you know, the parallels were just, were astounding. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you were describing some of the stuff up front, you know, as far as I could track with everything that you were saying, I was like, oh yeah, that does sound actually like, like the same situations that we have in oil and gas. So Jeff, what were you thinking about at that point in time? And also keep in mind, small company just getting started, right? What made you say, yep, I want to jump into this with, with both feet? Yeah. So you know, my background was I was working a lot of the time with production operations. And then I thought about how Rachel's platform really makes it easy for the end user to consume the data. And so I thought, wow, this is a great opportunity to take a historically challenging, challenging problem that the energy industry faces with isolated data and have a platform to not only visualize all that, that data for the end user, but to enhance remote operations and potentially enable exception-based operations. Yeah, that does sound like a common theme in in this whole digital transformation thing. So this might be a good point. I don't know, maybe we need to give people kind of an idea of what exactly are you, when you're, it, so you put this solution together, what does it do exactly? If I'm a user, right, in operations, what am I seeing? What am I interacting with? So it really depends on which application that, that you're interacting with. So, so at the end of the day, Geosite kind of has three core competencies. And then we build end user applications, you know, kind of vertically 
using those competencies, right? So, you know, if, if we're thinking about something like methane, there are all of these different data sources that, you know, energy companies are looking at, whether it's GHGSAT or, you know, clear cameras on the ground or, you know, various, you know, ground networks for, for tracking methane or aircraft. And taking all that data and aggregating it and turning it into a single product is one of our first competencies. So one thing that we're, we're really good at is, you know, people can plug and play whatever sort of data sources they would like without changing the platform that their organization is using. So that's, that's one big piece of it, right? And so we take all the data, we, we form partnerships with all of the sensor companies and, and bring their data onto our platform. And then we put it into an environment that helps people really with operations or decision-making. So we're very action-focused. So for instance, with methane, you know, it brings together all of these different data sources. You have kind of a cohesive picture of what's happening in the field very intuitively without having to, you know, interact with each data source individually and, and correlate those in your head, which is very accident prone. Instead, it's, it's all in one place. And then actually, you know, take that information, compare it to internal data, and then take action based on that. So for instance, you know, the platform as you're viewing it, you can also view GPS trackers of your people who are in the field. So I can say, oh, hey, Sarah is nearby. We can ask her to go over and check on these valves because we think that there may be an issue or to check that the flare is lit or to check these things because we, you know, we saw a spike and it allows this much, much faster, you know, response where, you don't need the data scientists to pull the data from different sources, analyze it, create a static map, then send it over to the ops team. Then the ops team, you know, contacts somebody in the field. It actually closes what they call the OODA loop in the military. So it's the observe, orient, decide, act, which is this framework that the military loves, which I think if we can apply it to methane emissions, tracking and response, allows organizations to really, you know, stay ahead of, you know, regulations ahead of, you know, major incidents because they can see and respond to things very clearly and very quickly. And I'm sure I left things out there, Jeff. Well, you put a lot of things in. So go ahead, Jeff, if you want to add to that. And then I want to back up and, and unpack a couple of things, but go ahead. Yeah, no, just to add on that, I'll be real quick is that, you know, I was fixated on production problems and the capabilities Geosite can offer. We started really focusing on methane early this year, but now it's percolated into not only a production operations problem, but a company problem to an industry problem. So it's becoming very timely. And we're really wanting to make sure that our end users leverage the best data to solve this problem, especially now with the economics focus. We want to make sure that we're not only trying to reduce emissions, but also in a cost-effective way and by reducing your OPEX as well. Right, right, right. Gotcha. Okay, let's back up. There's a couple of things in there. One is the military analog that you said. And what was that? So there was, yeah, there was an officer back in the day named John Boyd, and he created this framework for targeting in the military. So if you're doing targeting, you imagine like a gun mounted on a ship, right? Right, right, right. You've observed something happening nearby. You orient yourself towards it so you can gather more information. You make a decision about what you're going to do, you know, shoot the the adversarial, you know, ship or whatever, or not, you make that decision and then you take an action and then the loop starts over again. You know, you continue observing, you reorient yourself, you make another decision and you act. And in military systems, they always talk about, you know, getting ahead of the OODA loop or speeding up the OODA loop or optimizing it because the faster you can go around and around that circle, 
you know, the more efficient your operations are, the more precise you are, you know, it's, there, there are all sorts of great effects. Yeah. Yeah. So that's brilliant because really there's a very, there's something in, in oil and gas, they've been talking about closing the loop now for quite some time. And they talk about big loops and small loops and depending on where, you know, kind of how far forward and backward you're trying to close a loop. But the big challenge has always been that whole thing that you described, which is not just observing and making a decision, but then turning that into action. So put that right on the sideline for just a second, because I want to come back to that. But you also described, you said in this very like simple, cheerful sort of tone, we bring all the data together. Yeah, we just do that. We bring all the data together. And so if there's anything that people are out there listening to that they might be a little skeptical about, it's not the fancy stuff that you do with the data. <laughs> it's bringing it all together because that is not in this industry, like bringing different kinds of data together from different, like if you walked into uh, the typical, into a conference room, well, there's nobody in the conference rooms now, but if, if you walked into a group of oil and gas guys and you said, you know, you folks have a data problem in this industry, I think they would say something like there's an expression that has something to do with like a English private detective that comes to mind. This is a family show, so I can't say that. But so they know they know that, right? So how did you manage to jump in here and just pull all this data together and make it all happy and useful the way that you described? Yeah. So there's a piece of this that actually like I'm so I'm really, really happy that you asked this question because there's a piece of this that gets after the core of why we started Geosite in the first place. So, you know, when we decided, yes, this is something that that is, a you know, a viable idea. And the reason our investors decided, yes, this is a viable idea is there are so many incredible sensors out there that people are creating and so much wonderful analysis of those different sensors, whether it's satellites or drones or aircraft, you know, you name it or ground sensors, all of these things can be analyzed, but at the end of the day, it just results in more spatial information, or at least spatially relevant information. This, you know, this methane plume is important, not because it exists, it's important because it exists near one of our facilities, and therefore you might have to check that facility, right? There's all this, you know, right. you have to compare these different pieces of spatial data, but the issue was there was nobody in the market who didn't compete with either the sensor or the analytics companies. So strategically, the important part about Geosite and the reason why our customers like working with us is we are our source agnostic. If they say, oh, we want to work with this data source, we go, awesome, we'll give them a call, right? Like we don't, you know, we don't compete with anybody, but most of the time we're showing up, you know, how we do with something like methane, where we, you know, have gone through and spent, you know, an extraordinary amount of time, you know, with top experts digging into you know, all the way from the level of like, what is the most cutting edge NASA research back to who are the, you know, cool new startups in Houston producing sensors, you know, that full spectrum of how are people sensing and trying to tackle this methane problem. And then we choose the data sources that we know can actually, you know, help our customers make decisions. And then we can form those partnerships very easily. So it's like, hey, we don't compete with you. We're not going to produce data. If you want to run your own analytics, fantastic on your data. And we just become essentially, you know, on the on the government side, Dave, our federal lead calls us a socket, right? He's like, we have the end user application, but we're also a socket, right? Somebody can plug in, plug in any information they want. 
So yes, we make it sound like, oh, it's this simple thing. We just put all the data in one place. But the reason why to us that's such an easy thing to say is it's it's one of the core reasons we started Geosite in the first place. Gotcha, gotcha. So you're still making it sound easy, but I think <laughs> I understand where you're coming from. I think Jeff, I mean, Jeff, you get what I'm saying, right? Is there's there's people out there that have been struggling with data in this industry for so long and, you know, very highly paid people who are highly paid because of their knowledge in, in some sort of science or math discipline. And they spend most of their time like going through Excel spreadsheets and trying to match stuff up and move stuff from here to there. So if we put this in oil and gas, speak, Jeff, is it safe to say that at least within this particular domain that you're seeing those kinds of struggles go away and people can kind of get to the business of doing what it is they're supposed to be doing? Yeah. I'm often reminded of, you know, I was meeting with a large operator and he said, you know, our biggest problem is we know we have the data, but I don't know where it goes, where it is, (laughs) how to leverage it. Right. Right. And what Geosite is, we're trying to make that. Besides that, it's perfect. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's there. It exists. Right. (laughs) But where is it? How do I utilize it? And that geoside is a metaphysical problem. Yeah. Right. We have the engineers and the team to really kind of make it accessible for the end user, right? To operationalize that data. How do you use it on the field and go from there? Gotcha. Yeah, Yeah. I guess to add on to that, really a piece of this is, you know, that's kind of our secret sauce, right? We have these brilliant engineers. And our lead geospatial scientist, Burke Greer, you know, has a couple decades of experience under his belt. And he can he can whip his ray around basically any data that references any sort of location or just any other data for that matter, and figure out how we translate it and incorporate it into Geosite. I mean, from day one, you know, my mandate was if it has a latitude and longitude, you know, a lot long, people should be able to put it into our platform, period. I don't care if it's, you know, me taking pictures and wanting to log things in there. I don't care if it's, you know, a ground sensor or from a plane. If it is spatially relevant, we need to have the plumbing set up to where we can support our users. And so, you know, our entire engineering and data science team, you know, this is what they're they're cranking on all day, right? Is building that infrastructure, building that backend, ensuring that it, you know, no matter what data we throw their way, there's a way for us to reveal it on the front end in you know a very simple intuitive way right so i think kind of what it's coming around to is that there's goodness in some of these some of these things that people in the industry have struggled with for a long time there's a lot of goodness in looking outside to people that have solved similar problems in other areas other spaces and learning, leveraging, gaining from those things. And that's something that's kind of new, a little bit new in oil and gas. It hasn't always, there hasn't always been a great openness to how are people doing these things elsewhere, but, but that's changing. And so it's good that, that we're, we're learning, particularly with digital transformation. I started hearing people at operators say, well, how are people doing this in other industries? And I think that's bringing in a lot of goodness. An illustrative story. I mean, we're, we're definitely an example of this, right? So at the end of the day, entrepreneurship is, you know, it takes a leap, right, to have people decide to do it. But the reason, like the final straw that caused me to start Geosite was basically the same thing that Jeff just said that he had heard from one of the meetings he was in. You know, I was working with a reconnaissance team that is, you know, putting together a mission plan for a special operations team. And they said, oh, well, you know, there's not imagery of this area for the last couple of years. And I'm like, I know as a fact that's false. I know as a fact that 
Right. You know, I, know, I know exactly the company that has done imagery over this area. I know exactly what resolution it will be. And I know that it's under contract by this agency and the government. You guys just don't have access to it because the plumbing isn't set up and there's not, you know, this is a bureaucratic and a technology problem. And this is like ridiculous. And mm. ultimately, you know, we were we were doing root cause analysis on, you know, various casualties. And some of them were due to not having access to the right information permission planning. And that's when I was like, okay, this is completely unacceptable. They have to have access to this data. And, you know, with oil and gas, you're still dealing with instances where there are, you know, actual lives at stake. Things can get very dangerous. And so not having that data accessible is really problematic. And so it makes us really happy to come in and get to be the plumbing. Yeah, it's great to have somebody who I think, because that's another thing, right? You have people that have been in an industry for a long time. There are certain things that they just accept as being, it is what it is, as the ancient Greeks used to say. And it's to have somebody that come in and say, hey, hold on. Like, like it actually, you know. like, you, wait a second, wait a second. So that's fantastic. I want to go back to, okay, so remember the thing that I said to Park a little bit on the side, which is another aspect that's been a challenge for these types of initiatives in this industry has been, it's one thing to get the data and do your thing to the data. So going back to your, what was that, that Oompa Loompa thing, the Uda Uda, the Uda thing, Uda going back to that, like the first like the first half of that where you see and observe and decide, like that's one thing. But then getting that decision or that output, whatever it is, right, back out and in this industry, out into an operational environment that is distributed and complex and spans multiple disciplines and whatever geographies, like getting that output back out either to the people or the devices that need to benefit from it is a whole nother like set of challenges. And I've seen, I mean, I've, I've talked to people who said, yeah, we did the first part. And then when they said, okay, now we want to have that sort of feeding into these like three assets, we had no way to make that happen in anything like a time loop that would be useful. So let's talk about that a little bit. And how are you managing to operationalize this stuff in a way that people that we can go observe that flare before it, you know, burns down half the village? So I think we're still stuck in, as an industry observing the data. Yeah, we're kind of working towards Orient. I think we're geosite, what we're trying to make it easier is one, get the user the, the right data and two, make it in user accessible. So the guy who's actually going to act on the data has the data to make better decisions and go fix specifically, you know, emission leaks or, you know, some type of issue on the field. Right, right. I think another way, you know, on top of that, you know, that I like to say it is, you know, the right information to the right person at the right time. Ultimately, if people are going to act on the data, you have to make it intuitive. And, you know, on top of intuitive, you have to actually be able to pass it to the right devices and to the right places. So, you know, Geosite is cloud native, which I know, you know, some folks in every industry, especially really large industries and heavy industry, tend to be weary about cloud applications. You know, is it safe? You know, et cetera. I always like to say, well, if the military trusts us with their data, you could probably trust us too. Uh, <laughs> and our, our CTO, you know, literally came from Cyber Command. Like he knows what he's doing in terms of data security. But because of that, what it means is, you know, you could log in from, from any device and our system is set up to pass only the data that the user needs. It's not like you're trying to pull up, you know, raw imagery, which is really heavy data. It's not like you're trying to pull up, you know, 
you're not having to bring an entire hard drive's worth of mapping data just to get a quick snapshot of, you know, where are my wells and where are their methane plumes. Instead, you know, all of that heavy stuff is done in the cloud, and then it's very easy to pass it down to other devices in a very light way. You can imagine this is this is absolutely a problem on the military side as well, right? They're operating environments where they need to be able to unplug and, and disconnect and go out into the field, whether because there's no connectivity or, or for security reasons, they can't stay connected. And so this sort of you know, like earlier, I called it austere environments, these environments where you don't necessarily have, you know, the the fantastic connectivity that you would have in a city. Those are the sorts of things that, you know, the system right, right. Up for, right? So if I'm in a trailer out in, you know, the middle of, you know, West Texas, and I don't, I'm working off satellite, you know, yeah, these are not desk jobs, right? Yeah. These are not typical desk exactly. jobs. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. You know, you're you're still able to pull everything up because you know we try to make everything snappy, even on undegraded environments. And we've seen that be the case on the military side, where people are pulling data and they're like, "Wow, usually this sort of thing would take you know an hour to load," and it's absolutely snappy on on geosciences. Yeah, I think the exception-based stuff that you're talking about is key, right? Because people need to, like, I need to, if we try to process and take action on all the data, all the time, all the way through the process, then it's never going to work, right? Like, what I need to know is what was the exception. And then also, if you're doing analytics, right, that's what really, that's what's the most useful in your analytics most of the time in these operations. Yeah, and then handing the user, hey, here are the things that you should be paying attention to. You know, here are the cases where we're seeing, you know, the largest spikes, you know, near your facilities, or here's the most unusual activity. On the military, to give you another military term, since you loved OODA loop so much, you know, we call that tipping and queuing, right? So you, you create the tip and then you queue it based on its importance. Then whoever the analyst or operator is, they can, they can address those in the order of priority. And, and one of the things Jeff has really brought to you to the table as we're, you know, working on this new product or, you know, continuing to build on this new product is, you know, it's not just about methane data. It's about, you know, all of the other systems that are relevant to the user who's trying to make a decision. So, you know, production data and things like that in terms of helping you decide, you know, what are the most important things to pay attention to, you know, especially as, you know, energy companies are trying to operate more efficiently. And so, you know, with smaller field teams, you know, less road miles, et cetera, really means you have to get very diligent about prioritizing different things. And so so having all that data keyed in helps with those decisions. Right, right. Okay, so that's good. So let's talk about, and we're getting kind of close. We're getting close to that time where people start thinking they want to change the channel. So let's get to the, although, although this is really good, and let's talk about the future like, where are you going with all this? Because you're a relatively new company. I can't imagine that you feel like, uh, and you've just gotten into the oil and gas industry. You're doing some great things. What do you see as the vision? Yeah, for that, I, I will handle over to Jeff. I could give you a full company vision, but I think the relevant thing to your listeners is... Yeah, we don't care about that. I mean, we want to hear that. We want to hear the industry. <laughs> yeah, I still think it's worth, Rachel, talking a little bit about the company when I finish. But, you know, specifically oil and gas, I think we're really committing to solving the methane emissions problem. It really is tailored to our geospatial platform. There's going to be a lot of different data out there that's going to be emerging. And how do you combine you know, that third-party data with the data that you already have, SCADA, GPS, to actually solve the issue, right? We're really concerned about operationalizing that data. From then, you know, I still think we're 
exploring other you know killer apps that we can build into production space as well um, for the oil and gas industry. Got it. So it's kind of like once you have this platform in place with a framework that you can quickly build on, then it's just a matter of identifying what are the high value use cases at any particular point in time and like take aim at those and, and you just continue to drive. And each one of those things would be, you know, would be a big challenge to tackle in the, if you were doing one off. But if you've got a platform, then now you can begin to use that platform for a lot of different things. Is that, Rachel, is that, and by the way, I am interested in the vision for the company. So is that kind of where you're going? Yeah, totally. Like our world domination scheme, right, is, you know, essentially, if you think about the core issues that we saw, more spatially referenced data, you need enterprise level, you know, security and data governance and role authentication. You need collaboration and communication, and you need apps that work for the end users and can be used across the organization. If you take that framework, you know, you can apply it in many different places. So, you know, Geosite actually has four major applications that we operate. And the idea is, you know, we will continue building out, you know, our core capabilities and kind of the modules that allow us to do all of these different applications, whether it's, you know, reporting and, you know, incident reporting is a really big one. That's important for our search and rescue application, as well as methane. And both of them, you have an incident, you have some sort of action that takes place, you need to report all of that, it needs to be stored, it needs to be accessible, you know, but that's not necessarily a, a spatial module, but it's necessary to provide the end application. So, you know, continue building those, those sorts of things over time, that makes GSA even more extensible for us to launch, you know, new products and new applications the, the really long-term vision is, of course, there are, you know, an infinite number of different applications for spatial data, and those are going to continue to grow as the data available grows. And so, you know, in the long run, and, you know, we've had, you know, people ask about this before, essentially, you know, we'll actually open it up where if companies internally want to build extra applications on top of their system, third-party people want to build stuff on top of our, you know, kind of with, with the bricks that we've built and on the infrastructure that we've built, those sorts of things are going to be extraordinarily valuable. Right, right. But, you know, for now, what we do is we look out at the market and we say, what is the biggest problem we could be solving right now? And Got for it. us, you know, and the energy industry, it is absolutely methane. Yeah, that, that's a big one. I think it's interesting you say there's an infinite number of these types of geospatial applications that could be built. You know, I have heard, this is not on the record, but I have heard that there are some people that are involved in like various space programs who are talking with various people in oil and gas industry because about space program, because there are certain moons that could be used as like refueling stations because of their high gas content. And so now we're talking about how do we leverage what the oil and gas industry knows about getting those resources out of earth and getting them out of other places. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. That could be a whole new market for you though, to go out and see what kind of, cause there's no data out there really very much. I think you're going to, you're going to have your work we'll cut out for you. Um, yeah. well, right now we're sticking with the surface of the earth. You know, you never know where we'll go. You know, moons of, moons of Jupiter or something. I don't remember. I have to look at that. And I can guarantee you that you know we're very committed to the that's interesting but we are very committed to the energy industry as our as our uh yeah as the industry yeah as we transition from growth to economical i think you know that's only doesn't apply for operations but how do we use our data as well for right? sure so, yeah. yeah and i think that's where geosite will really help the industry is really understanding how we can leverage data better 
and actually operationalize that data going forward. The industry needs that. There's no question. And that is the key to, I mean, all the plans around digital transformation and all the wonderful things people want to do without that last part that you just said, then nobody's going to get any of of the value from those projects on the roadmap that they want. So that's good. And it is great for the industry to be able to leverage the knowledge and expertise and innovation that's coming from other areas and other domains. So I think you guys are doing good stuff. We are pretty much up against the time here. So I want to, let's just maybe say if people want to learn more about this, where do they look? Or if they want to learn more about, about you two individually, or if they want to, you know, just get involved, where do they look? So, you know, our, our website is a great spot. I highly recommend following Jeff on Twitter and LinkedIn. He's far better about social media than I am. Even I am entertained by his Twitter. So he tends to post a bunch of stuff up about what we're doing. And, you know, it makes me very happy that that my whole team gets so excited. But that's probably the best spot to see kind of what's, you know, latest and greatest with Geosite. Yeah. So with that said, as a business development lead, please reach out to me. <laughs> you can find me on LinkedIn and then at on Twitter, I'm at Geosite Jeff. So I'm happy to always interact. So yeah, reach out. Okay. We will post all of that in the show notes. And so people will don't have to worry about trying to write all that down. I will personally go follow Jeff on Twitter right now, now that I know he's he's such a character. And thank you guys for being on the show today. I really appreciate you making time. And I don't know, maybe we'll do a part two sometime, you know, a little later on as your world domination plan gets further along and find out how it's going and what other new things that you guys are doing. Good. All right. Thank you. Let me just wrap up with a couple of other things, which is that I got to thank our sponsor, Cognite. They're kind of a new sponsor. They just came on board here in the last month or two. And so it's great to have them to have them with us. And they are uh, working in a different space from Geosite. They're working with industrial data and working to make that. Just doing some cool things, adding context, making it intuitive and making people and computers all happy using it. So check out Cognite. Also, we have the OGGN Street Team, which is being led by the very valiant and dashing Warren Spiewak, who is not actually out on the real streets right now, but they are on the virtual streets. There's a LinkedIn group that will be in the show notes. And if if you want to just get involved, do something interesting. If you're bored because you've been sitting in your house and you say, how can I get involved in OGGN and the oil and gas industry in a bigger way? Join that group and they're doing some cool stuff. And also, you can connect with OGGN on our brand new website, OGGN.com, Oil and Gas Global Network, our brand new, beautifully designed website by our friends at Midnight Marketing, who somehow managed to make all of us look way better on the website than we look in real life. I can vouch for that. Also, we have a LinkedIn group that you can join. That is it. Final thought. I've said this a couple of times, but you know, it's just getting to me with my good friends making these jokes about oil and gas being a little behind the times and adopting and embracing new technologies. So remember, given that little history lesson about how this industry has actually been applying scientific knowledge for practical purposes for something like 120 years. So in other words, we were tech before tech was cool. And here are the events on deck. Happy New Year, everybody. It's Savannah from OGGN, and here are the events on deck for January 2021. This month, we only have three events, but if you'd like the full list, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for our events newsletter. We send it out every month, and it includes more info about the events I talk about here. We even include events that occur two months ahead of time, so if you're interested in always staying in the loop about oil and gas events, make sure to check that out. First up, we have our two in-person events. 
the OCI East Houston Chapter Luncheon at the Monument Inn on the 5th, and the Houston Chapter Energy API Meeting at the Petroleum Club on the 14th. The only online event we have this month is the Prefab Connect from the 26th to the 29th. Other than these events, OGGN may be hosting some more live streams this month, so make sure to check out our Facebook, LinkedIn, or our website for more information about any of the live streams we have coming up. If you have any questions about the events or any of our shows, make sure to reach out to me through my email in the show notes. That's all for January. I hope you guys have a great month and thanks for tuning in. Check us out next week for another entertaining and yet useful episode of Oil & Gas Tech Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.